Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. I'm AJ Hoffman, joined by Scott Seidenberg. Scott, how are you? What's up? What's up? Ready to uh, have a bounce back week. We need one. Yeah, a rough week last week. I think rough week for a lot of. I think for a lot of uh, sharper people. I know we're saying this was a brutal week, and it was a, a one of those weeks where. The, the pros had some things, the Joes had the other, and those weeks happen. The Joes clean up sometimes, mm-hmm. and they did. And I, I tweeted this out on Saturday. Had Wake Forest not broken up that two-point conversion, I probably would have been it, like in the corner crying <laughs> that day. And everything that could have went wrong went wrong uh, with my betting card, including – you know, Billy Napier running tempo when they're down double digits to go mm-hmm. punch in a late touchdown. San Diego State can't score the entire game till there's 30 seconds left, and they get the job. Thank God for Oregon State, and thank which by the way, Oregon State should have won that game outright. Yeah, uh, and thank God for uh, for Wake Forest. But rough week overall for I had for the us. Same things happen, man. I had Memphis laying 12. They win by 10. They give up a touchdown with two minutes left, which yeah. is you know it's kind of it's a back door, right? They don't care. They're up double digits. And what's what's hilarious is in the handicap where I write up the games, I said Memphis scores into the 40s and wins this one by double digits. They won 44-34. Well, you sounds like you had so, everything figured out. <laughs> except for they didn't cover the 12. And then Oregon, I mean, yes, did I get lucky to have them even in, the game? in a position yeah. to cover? Yes, but still, they're covering oh. until there's 10 seconds left in the game, and then they're not covering. Their defense, woof. That, that is, that's a rough thing to see uh, up in Oregon. Make so. one more stop, and they cover that game. Yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, all right. So we are. I think we're sitting. We're sitting at five hundred in the contest. So not good enough, certainly. Three, six, twelve, and twelve. Yeah. yeah. So certainly not where we need to be. Uh, let's, but all let's... it takes is one week, and and this could be the week that separates everyone because I bet you that the contest card's going to be a little weird with some of the cancellations and yeah. rescheduled games. Plus, looking at the schedule for this week, especially in the top 25, you have a game on Thursday and a game on Friday. Those games are not a part of the contest schedule, so that's two games right there that are knocked out of this slate. There are also quite a few well-known teams that are playing on Thursday and on Friday. And so those games will not be on the contest line as well. And there are already a couple of games that have been scheduled for Sunday, Florida Eastern Washington and SMU Central Florida. So with not many games to choose from and being forced to choose eight games, this could be the week where we make a big move. Uh, Let's hope so. All right, let's get into it. Uh, We will start. I think I went first last week. So let's start with you. What do you got? I'm going to go with the Kentucky Wildcats, and they're catching six and a half right now. Kentucky, it's a ranked matchup. They're number seven right now in the nation. They will travel to Oxford to take on number 14, Ole Miss. And for me, this is about the Kentucky running game, which has not been 
as effective as they would like it to be. However, they get a huge boost this weekend. Chris Rodriguez is back. He was the leading rusher from a season ago. He was suspended for the first four games, and everyone is excited for his return. Look at what Tulsa racked up against Ole Miss last week on the ground. 262 rushing yards. And so now you throw Rodriguez back in the mix. Carvassier's smoke can go back to just spelling him as a backup. He doesn't have to be the bell cow anymore for this team. And with Will Levis making plays in the passing game, this is going to be a close one that I think comes down to the final possession. I don't think Kentucky's ever going to be out of this game. They're probably going to play ball control and keep it out of Jackson Dart and the Ole Miss offense's hands. And six and a half, I think this one comes down to whoever has the football last. Kentucky, very live to win this one outright. If they lose, I think it's only by a field goal or maybe five or six points. I like the Wildcats here. I like them as well. So this was one of the last the last ones on my card before I made my cuts. So uh, Kentucky, I, I feel like, is in a good spot here. Um, and, yeah, Ole Miss, they – Listen, their their quarterback, who everybody was real excited about at the beginning of the season, maybe not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, things aren't things aren't as good as as we thought. So, uh, I, I like this pick. I endorse it fully. All right, I'm going to stay in the SEC for my first play, and I'm going to go with the Mississippi State Bulldogs minus three and a half hosting Texas A&M, and I have these teams exactly even in my power ratings. And I certainly don't give Mississippi State three and a half points for home field. So what gives? This is a terrible matchup for the Aggies, first of all. These these are two of the best defenses in the SEC, no doubt. The A&M offense, though, mm. is not going to keep them in this thing. Uh, they just lost their best receiver for the season. They're coming off a gifted win against Arkansas. Let's just call it what it is. They got they were very fortunate. The doink off the top of the goalpost. Yeah, and a 99-yard return on top of that. This is the first road trip of the season for A&M. They're going up against the best defense they've seen all year. And what's on deck? Alabama. Mm -hmm. Jimbo thinking about it? Yeah. So, listen, this team was outgunned and outgained in both the last two games against Miami and Arkansas. So finding wins in those games doesn't tell me that they're back after losing to Appalachian State early in the season. A&M... Outside the top 100 in Havoc, outside the top 80 in explosive pass defense, that is a bad recipe against this Mississippi State team. Just threw for 420 yards and six touchdowns. A&M does not have the offense to keep up in this matchup. The Aggies are averaging 21 points per game this year, and that includes a game against an FCS opponent. (laughs) When you take that out, it drops to 18 points per game. This is a putrid offense. They just lost their best weapon. Mississippi State gets the job done here. Minus three and a half. I'm going to move to the Big 12. And I am going to jump on the Jayhawk bandwagon. Ooh, this feels like a really expensive time to do that, doesn't it? Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Kansas is three-point dogs at home to Iowa State. One question. How is Kansas not ranked? They should be in the top 25 right now. And I know that this is a start to the season that was not expected. They've already exceeded their win total going into the year. But give credit where credit is due. The Jayhawks are for real. 
Are they going to go undefeated? No. <laughs> They're going to lose a few games. But right now, they do not deserve to be home underdogs to Iowa State. Jalen Daniels quickly becoming a Heisman dark horse candidate. He's thrown for 11 touchdowns. He's rushed for four more in the first four games, completing 70% of his passes. He's thrown just one interception. Kansas ranks fourth in the nation in points per game after four weeks. If I would have told you that, you would have called me nuts. I would have. But that's where we are right now. Iowa State replaced a ton of talent from last year. They've got off to a decent start. Hunter Deckers is playing okay, but he's turning the ball over too much for my liking. And I look at this Iowa State team. They're well coached. We know that. So is Kansas. The game against Baylor, the score looks a little closer than it was. Baylor really had that one in control. And they might have a little more talent than Kansas. I don't think anyone's doubting that. But they're running into a team here that feels disrespected. Kansas deserves to be ranked. And this Saturday, as a home dog against Iowa State, they show the nation why they deserve to be in the top 25. Are you sure they deserve it? I mean, they beat West Virginia in Houston. I mean, these are te- – and what have we said about Houston? This is not a good team. This is like a bonehead team. Kansas is a good story to me. This feels like a, a, a mat- like one of the last matchups that they can win. It, it's funny how everyone's so excited about Kansas. And the, li- the high likelihood, I would say – is that Kansas doesn't end up even bowl eligible at the end of the season? So wow, yeah, that, that would be my guess. So I'm I'm not I on think, board with Kansas. Think, I think bus. they win this one outright against oh. Iowa State. All T- right, TCU is the letdown spot. Then they're just outgunned against Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas, and it comes down to the rivalry matchup against Kansas State to get that sixth win. To be bowl eligible. We'll see. All right. Well, I'll stick in the Big 12. Uh, just talked about West Virginia, and I lost with on West or fading West Virginia last week, saying JT Daniels no good. I was right. He wasn't. Uh, but unfortunately, he faced an even more putrid offense. Texas minus 10 this week, hosting West Virginia. Coming off a brutal loss at Texas Tech. And if you look at Bill Connolly from ESPN, he says this was one of the most statistically disparate finals of the season. Texas had a 98% post-game win expectancy. The adjusted points margin had Texas winning by nearly 17 points. They dominated the stats in every way. Texas Tech by by that post-game win expectancy, the most unlikely winner all season so mm. far. So Texas dominated the stats, lost a turnover battle 3 to 1. The final one came in overtime with Bijan Robinson. I'm locking this in now at 10 because I think 10 is a fair number with Hudson Card playing. I don't think there's like a massive edge here with 10, but I do think that Quinn Ewers is going to end up playing this week. And if he ends up, if he's Mm. announced playing, I think this number pushes closer to 13. So if I feel like I'm at 50 50 with Hudson Card playing, and I feel like it turns into 75 25 if, if Quinn Ewers plays. I feel like that you've got to lock in now. Uh, I still don't believe in JT Daniels, and I I think that the Horns have to get things figured out before OU week. So give me Texas, minus 10, hosting the Mountaineers. This is one that I circled, so I co-sign this as well. Uh, From the Big 12 to the Big 10 we go. And I'm going to lay the wood here. Minnesota, minus 12.5 at home against Purdue. 
The Gophers are really good, AJ. I know it. <laughs> Defensively, they've allowed just six points per game. They've allowed the second fewest total yards in the country. And offensively, Tanner Morgan has this thing rolling. They dominated Michigan State. They rank top in the nation in third down efficiency and time of possession. They're third in yards per game. They will have no problem scoring on Purdue. Penn State scored 31. Syracuse scored 32. Florida Atlantic scored 26 last week. Aiden O'Connell didn't play last week. Probably not going to play I think he again. is going to play this week. I don't think it matters, but I do think I, he's going to play. I don't think it matters either, but if even if he does play, he's not 100%. Jeff Brom said on Monday, we're going to see later in the week to figure out his status. Purdue is also going to be without a top wide receiver. They're going to be at, without their offensive tackle. Both players missed last week. They're going to they, and Jeff Brom said they're doubtful for this week as well. Purdue 0 and 6 at TCF Bank Stadium, and PJ Fleck has won four straight over Jeff Brom in this series. I think Minnesota rolls here to a big win at home. I think so, too. I think if I'm betting this game, I'm probably going to end up betting the first half. Minnesota's allowed three points in first halves this season. (laughs) I mean, you cannot move the ball on this team early in the game. Uh, You know, I'm curious to see what happens when they get into sort of the the meatier part of their schedule. Because let's face it, I mean, they played New Mexico State, who's one of the, let's say, five worst teams in the country. They played Western Illinois, who is an FCS team. They played Colorado, who might be the worst Power 5 team in the country. The win at Michigan State kind of changed, like, it really changed the way I was thinking about this team. Because I remember we had Minnesota on our card against Colorado. Mm-hmm. I said they're going to just smash this team, and they did. Uh, but this was a really impressive win over Michigan State. Then Michigan State may just be awful. That's, an, that's a real possibility now, given mm-hmm. the last couple weeks. But I don't think Purdue is is – better than Michigan State. So um, I I think this is being back at home. This is a good spot. Uh, I I like Minnesota. The stadium is now called Huntington Bank Stadium. Oh, well, that makes more sense anyway. Still, Purdue Purdue 0-6 there. I think everyone agrees. (laughs) All right. I'm going to go down to the fun belt, the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. We are, and this one's tough because... Uh, they're coming off two ugly road losses. They lo- you lose at Rice and Louisiana Monroe, you deserve to be dropped dramatically in power ratings, and I have. I think we're buying at the absolute bottom with Louisiana here, and South Alabama's been kind of a darling to uh, of, of the betters, including myself. I, I've had South Alabama in my portfolio a couple times this year. And money's come in on them every week. People are betting on this South Alabama team. This is just wild, though. Louisiana has Chris Smith, who is an elite running back for the G5 level. They returned three of their top their, their top three wide receivers from last year, and they've got a top ten pass defense nationally. And that's big against the South Alabama team, whose success has come on the, on the arm of Carter Bradley. I think Louisiana makes it tough on them to throw through the air. Like I said, I've drastically downgraded Louisiana, and I still have this game under a field goal. So we're getting value through the three, through the seven, according to my power ratings. A nine-point dog, this is just outrageous to me. So I think Louisiana I – I said, man, there's no way this goes past seven, right? And then it just kept going, kept going. And – I'll be honest, I think that 
it, it's just gone too far. So uh, I will be with the Cajuns plus nine. This this thing opened up and it was five. Now we're all the way up to nine. It just doesn't make any sense to me uh, for a game that I have at about two and a half. Even at five, I were five wow. and a half. I would have said like, "Ooh, this feels like value." All this steam coming in against Louisiana and on South Alabama, too much for me. Do you think this will be on the contest card? I'm hoping. I'm hoping as well. I, again, I, I think what we've found is trying to project what's going to be on the card is, yeah. is foolish. Is there some games that we think that there definitely will be on there and it's not? And there's some games that we think will definitely not be on there and there yeah, is. There's no rhyme or reason to it. <laughs> and I think with all the cancellations this week and the movement, maybe maybe, maybe there's a possibility. A so I'm hoping so. And if not, we'll we'll have to I'll have to dig into my bag of tricks and find something new. But that felt like one of the best four values yeah. on the board. So I'll bring it to the pot and then we'll we'll hope for the best. All right. I'm gonna stick in the big ten and I'm gonna take a dog here and I'm gonna go with Illinois plus seven uh at Wisconsin. Illinois should be 4-0. Uh, there's no other way to explain that. The the one loss was to Indiana. They allowed the Hoosiers to go 75 yards in under a minute in the final drive of the game after only allowing them to have 70 yards of offense in the entire second half prior to that drive. Other than that, the Illini defense has been absolutely incredible. They allow eight points per game. They rank fifth in the nation in total yards per game allowed, and they come into this game with extended rest. Illinois played on Thursday last week, and they blew out Chattanooga. They racked up the yardage. They held them to no points on defense. They win 31-0. They have extended rest, and now they travel to Wisconsin. The Badgers coming off a, a game against Ohio State in which they were overmatched. I think this is a battle. I, I think this is a battle that Wisconsin is not ready for. Illinois, it, it's... It's funny to say this, but like Illinois is right now playing better football than Wisconsin, and I don't, I don't think, think that's crazy. That, people didn't think that was going to be the case coming into the season. Those people didn't know Graham Mertz, and, and that's the point. <laughs> Tommy DeVito's out playing Graham Mertz, and the running game of Illinois has been super impressive this year. Chase Brown is having. Uh, an incredible season so far. He's averaging 6.4 yards per carry. He's got 604 yards uh, on the early season. And if Illinois continues to play defense, they force Graham Mertz into a turnover or two. And this is a Wisconsin team that loses a big weapon in uh, Clay Cundiff, their tight end. I think Illinois can keep this one close enough that they might have a chance to win this. And if Illinois takes a lead, especially a two-score lead, I don't think Wisconsin has the offense to come back. So I like taking the touchdown here with the Illini. And the only reason why they're this big of a dog is because they're on the road at Camp Randall. Yeah, if if you'd given me this number two weeks ago, I would have said, you're crazy. Illinois is probably one of my biggest movers uh, since the season started. Like my my opinion has changed on Illinois more than just about any team in the country. So they, they l- listen. The loss to Indiana sucks. There's no there's no way to frame Tell me that. About it. I had Illinois in that game. Indiana's a bad football team. You shouldn't be losing to them if you're good. So I don't know if Illinois is good, but they're certainly better than I thought they were. Uh, and I like you said, the way that Wisconsin's played offense lately. It's hard for me to argue that, oh, yeah, they're going to go out there and cover a spread as a favor. 
I can't, I can't buy into that right now. So I think you're on the sharp side here. All right, my last game, I'm going to go back to one of our winners from last week, the good old Demon Deacons. Nice. Uh, who got the job done against Clemson. Had to, had to sweat a little, even though, listen, if you watch that game, you didn't sweat for most of the game. You sweat at the end when it got to yeah. overtime because there was a way. But Wake Forest, I mean, they were toe-to-toe with Clemson all game. This, they, they were not outmatched by any degree. And I totally disagree with all the steam that's come in on Florida State. So much. I don't understand. Why is this spread moved multiple points? L- listen, this game last week, like game of the year line, was Wake Forest minus one and a half. What's changed? Okay, so I I thought about taking this game, and I was scared off by the line movement. I I Googled, and I researched, and I wanted to, is is there an injury? Is somebody not playing? Is Sam Hartman not playing? What is it about this game that the line has moved this way? Florida State is 4-0. People are looking uh, looking for a reason to believe in Florida State again, and they're coming off a dominant win over Boston College. On the surface, all that's great. The reality is Boston College is terrible. The Knowles had a kick return touchdown, and they were gifted short fields all night. To their credit, they took advantage of it. Wake goes toe-to-toe with Clemson before losing in overtime, and somehow we make like a touchdown adjustment? It's absurd. Do do people think that like – the hurricane is going to impact Tallahassee. I don't think this is. I don't think the storm is going anywhere near Tallahassee. Weather report for Saturday says eighty-one degrees and sunny. Yeah, listen, the Wake O line kept Sam Hartman clean against what's essentially an NFL front with Clemson, the front four of Clemson. Yeah. all those guys are going to be in the NFL. Yep, but they should have no problem holding it up against FSU's pass rush, which is non-existent basically. And I think Hartman has success against his secondary. And the truth is, and we saw this last week. Because Wake Forest made Clemson's offense look good. Wake Forest is is not good on defense. That's not going to change. They're not going to mm-hmm. get better on defense. But Jordan Travis, everyone's talking, oh, he's a dual threat. What? Because he ran for some yardage against LSU? It, since then, nothing. He, nothing. He's not running anymore. So I think making them one-dimensional is key. And when I'm getting seven points, Wake's offense always live for the back door. So Wake Forest plus seven. Hoping we get seven and a half on the card. I, I think it makes our card either way. It's six and a half. So uh, Wake Forest plus seven is going to be my last play. I'm with it. Uh, as far as totals go, which we've actually been crushing the totals. We have. Yeah. Uh, last week, uh, I believe I gave out the Houston total. Remember, I was like, why is this total so low? I was a little confused by this. Uh, I think the number actually on the close wound up. Let's see. No, it was 52 on the close, and this thing closed at, what, 61? I mean, it finished 61, 34, 27. So, I mean, Houston just continues to go over. Yours didn't matter what number. Mine was a like which side of the half point you were yeah. on, like Alabama Vandy, because uh, I think it finished on 60. So it depends on if you got 60, 59 and a half, 60 and a half. But. Do I dare go back to the well with the Houston Cougars going over? Houston Tulane is at 55 and a half. Uh, if we get an updated number on that, we'll see if there's any change in the market price. But I saw 55 and a half. Yep, 55 and a half. So uh, maybe not there, but I'll tell you where I am going to go. Memphis and Temple, 51 and a half. 
A lot of this number probably has to do with the Temple defense because Temple's actually played well. But we know this Memphis offense is a different animal. They can score well into the 40s with ease. I don't know how much Temple's going to score, but Temple has been better with E.J. Warner at quarterback and against a Memphis team that is, you know, certainly capable of giving up a ton of points. I think Memphis scores into the 40s, and if Temple chips in with two touchdowns, well, guess what? This game's going all the better. Uh, I'm going to go with Louisville and Boston College under 51, mostly because I expect the clock to be moving the entire time. Uh, Louisville, one of the best running teams in the country, one of the best running quarterbacks in the country, one of the worst passing quarterbacks in the country, um, and Louisville has an incredible pass defense. Boston College, they're terrible at everything on offense, but running is clearly going to be the easiest path to success for them here as well. So both teams are going to want to run the ball, and it, listen, four games in, Malik Cunningham still sitting at two, t- two passing touchdowns, three interceptions. They don't want him taking chances, <laughs> and in a game that they should be able to control – I don't think there's much reason to have him take chances. You go in, you run the football, you get out with a 7-10 to point win over Boston College, pack it up and get ready for next week. Uh, And again, Boston College's offense, there's nothing nice to say about it, so I I won't say much other than the only chance they've got at success is keeping the ball on the ground. So under 51 is the total for me. We have to settle on a best bet. And... We got your four. We got my four. You liked Kentucky with me. I liked um, your, what was it, Texas. It was the one that I was on as well. It was one of my extra ones. Where do you want to lean here for the best bet? I th- I don't remember which one of us. What was our we best bet Wake last week? We took Wake Forest last week. Okay, so the, we took one of mine last week. Let's go with yours. But Let's Wake go. was one of mine, actually. Oh, was it? Yes. Okay. Uh, you like Wake again, don't you? I do like Wake again, yes. Let's roll back-to-back weeks, baby. Okay. Let's go with the ones who got us here. The Deacons. That's right. We're Deacons with it. it is. Wake Forest plus seven. Best bet for this episode. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks to you guys out there for listening. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies even. Just tell someone. Tell them to listen. And by the way, tell them to listen. Go to pregame.com. Pregame.com. And for listeners of this podcast, we're going to give you 20% off any purchase. Good for seven days with the promo code SIDE20. SIDE20. 20% off for listening to this fine podcast. You can get Scott's plays for the week. You can get my play for the weekend. Uh, my plays will come with the UFC plays for the weekend. If you buy the weekender package, it comes with all, all my NFL, all my college, and my UFC. Nice. Uh, and Scott's got baseball going right now, so if you want baseball and football, that's the way to go. Whoever you want to go with, uh, all the pros at pregame, 20% off. All right, that will do it. We will talk to you guys next week. You out bluff them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle them. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt.